Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is July 18th, 2022. So let's take a moment of silence to connect with the worldwide network of triangles, followed by the sounding of the noontime recollection. We know, O Lord of life and love, about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love, that we too may love and give. So welcome again. Thank you for being here, helping to introduce the work of triangles to new people and reaching out to them and agreeing to form triangles with them. And so we welcome all of you who are new today. And we also come together as a group to provide a platform for those of us who are already members of this planetary service of triangles to participate together in a meditative visualization in the support and strengthening of the planetary network. Triangles is a simple visualization technique using the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. The work is simply involved with the lines of lighted, loving communication, which are established between three people who agree to vivify that triangular link every day. Three people link as a triangle of light mentally, spiritually and in a spirit of goodwill to all humanity. Their triangle is then placed within the larger planetary network of triangles. And as the network is visualized, the energies are released through the sounding of a great world prayer, the great invocation, which is a perfect vehicle through which the energies can be released into all open hearts and minds, thereby uplifting humanity. So it's a daily practice, and it only takes a few minutes each day. And so therefore, it can be fit into even the busiest of schedules. So if you respond to this idea of planetary service through the power of thought, please consider forming a triangle. So today, following our Triangles Meditation, we will have um, a return guest from last week, Francis Donald, um, with the theme, The Stage of the Forerunner, the 25th Year and the Centennial Conclaves. So Francis is a professional artist who's been studying the ancient wisdom for nearly 35 years and he's been teaching it for the last 10. And he currently offers three ongoing webinars online, a new fellowship of Cosmic Fire, The Secret Doctrine, and Manly Hall's Secret Teaching of All Ages. So we look forward to hearing from you later, Francis. And so now let's work together in a brief visualization Let's 
Visualize the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. And let's visualize within that sphere a triangle composed of the three planetary centers, Shambhala, the planetary head center, the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart center, and humanity, the planetary throat center. Visualize the circulation of energies between these three points flowing in all directions, merging and blending the three points, filling the triangle with light. and superimpose upon that triangle of five-pointed star. This is the star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and future, radiating the energy of love wisdom. At each point of the star, the sphere of his activity stands an outpost of his consciousness, the five planetary centers. Visualize the energies of love wisdom radiating forth from the center through the five points of the star. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, Visualize these outpouring energies, enlivening small groups gathering everywhere, aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity, solving its problems, creating right human relations, restoring peace on earth. Radiance, we are, and power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift 
of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. This is a picture that Francis created, which is so wonderful to have for our work together in these webinars. Triangle's workers are especially qualified to build a network of light in the planet. And the first stanza of the Great Invocation, which we're all using every day in our meditation and Triangle's work, gives us the keynote for our work. Let light stream forth into human minds. This streaming forth of the vivid light of the hierarchy into human minds is the basic essential action undertaken by the spiritual hierarchy that underlies and prepares for the return of the world teacher. It depends on this work. It's the potency of the light that ultimately will produce that lighted substance in the etheric body of humanity, which will enable the kingdom of heaven to precipitate and appear in outer manifestation on the physical plane. And these are the events that will be decided in this upcoming conclave. The work of our group as it contacts, holds, and distributes the light of hierarchy increases the brilliance of the entire network, strengthens each strand of light, and supplies an abundance of light energy into human consciousness. The more brilliantly the network is lit, the more powerful will be its effect, the more subtle will be its foundations, and the more durable its actions. The more light in the network, the greater will be the effect produced in human consciousness, as more of the energy of goodwill is enabled to flow through it. It is therefore helpful that each one of us consider deeply this first stanza of the Great Invocation and use it mantrically and powerfully in our daily triangles work. This theme of light is so important and underlies, we're told, the entire purpose that is working out on our planet. Our Logos is said to be fully engrossed with the expression of perfect light. And in humanity as well, the theme of light engrosses our intention on many different levels. The light of knowledge is the incentive behind all of our educational systems, and it even influences our understanding of time. Human beings, we know, are composed primarily of light atoms, and the light in the head that many people see is not imagined, but it's that which is brought about by the fusing and blending of the light inherent in substance itself 
with the light of the soul. Through this light, vision can be expanded and eventually illumination can be achieved. Through the agency of light, humanity's vision is being expanded and the intensification of light that is being generated in our world today is being significantly magnified by the merging of spirit and matter through the agency of the incoming of the seventh ray. And it's said this intensification of the light has been going on since the conclave in 1825, so nearly 200 years. And it's said that this intensification will gradually subside after the 2025 conclave. But it does certainly seem that we are building up to a kind of crescendo during these final years leading up to the conclave. On some level, humanity has recognized the severity of the times and that we need all the light that can be generated in order to meet the present crisis and its opportunity. As we know, the great invocation is the ideal means of irradiating substance and releasing light. This understanding was highlighted in a quote shared by a student today, a quote from the externalization of the hierarchy, page 173. In that quote, the Tibetan speaks of a door that must be opened by humanity itself through the medium of a united act of the will and the use of a formula of words expressed in sound. This will come about by an activity performed simultaneously by all men and women of goodwill and by all the world's aspirants and disciples. So, if it's a simultaneous act of invocation of the will by all the aspirants and world disciples, we can perhaps bring that into our consciousness at each full moon and at each new moon and at the exact time, if we can, sound the great invocation, then we're contributing to the realization of the opening of this door of which the Tibetan speaks. So now let's go into our meditation. Let's work with integrating as a group, lifting our consciousness to the mental plane, focusing at the center of the even arm cross linking as souls, as points of love and light with all people throughout the world who are working with the Triangles Meditation Group. And we project a bridge of lighted energy towards the highest center Shambhala and we sound together the affirmation of the will. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Naught shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. 
I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the radiant worldwide triangles network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Now lift the consciousness to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. Precipitation, visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the triangles network. Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness. 
and establishing right human relationships. Link in love with the entire group and sound together the mantra of unification. The sons of men are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve, and not exact due service. I seek to heal not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. distribution, sounding together the great invocation, silently or aloud. And as we repeat each stanza, let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity.
and as a channel through which light, love, and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. And now welcome Francis again. Hello, Francis. Hello. Uh, hey. Thank you for having me again. Well, thank you for being here. Okay. Let me share my screen. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the second part of this talk on the stage of the Forerunner and the 2025 Conclave. Today, we'll take a look at the earlier hierarchical conclaves with an eye to tracing the development of their main purpose, which was from the very beginning to establish a link between Shambhala and humanity. Then we'll turn our attention to the 2025 conclave. First, a quick review. Every 100 years on the 25th year of the century, there's a great assembly of the hierarchy. These conclaves of masters, almost certainly overseen by the Christ, determine the agenda for hierarchical impression on humanity for the coming century. Only a few of the members of the hierarchy have 
reach the stage of development that allows them to respond to the intoning O of Sanat Kumara. There's also a council held on the 75th year of each century, which plants the seed for the conclave that follows. The purpose of all these hierarchical gatherings was and is to activate specific levels of human consciousness in order to prepare them for shambolic energy. So let's take a brief look at the great assemblies that occurred prior to the one that's fast approaching so that we might get a feel for the significance of the coming 2025 conclave. As you can see by this chart, the conclaves often, though not always, heralded the introduction of a new ray energy. Gradually, as I mentioned last time, bringing six of the seven ray energies into play. In the years before 1425, only the sixth ray was in manifestation. This is a list of the rays up here. Um, so what happened? What happened during the first great council held in 1425 that allowed for the reemergence of hierarchical influence? They had withdrawn since um, Atlantean times uh, behind a veil, though watching humanity, their influence was not for all intents and purposes, available to humanity. But then they reemerged in 1425. Well, according to Decay, there was a significant shift in human consciousness that allowed for a group of masters to, quote unquote, go out into the world, which led to what he calls a reconfiguration of the initiatory process. A key factor in this shift was the reintroduction of the influence of the third ray, the ray of active intelligence. Another momentous event was the reintroduction of the great invocation for hierarchical use. Not yet for use by humanity, that wouldn't come for five more centuries. The great invocation, we're told, is actually thousands of years old but was first used during the Aryan race by the hierarchy during this conclave of 1425 and has been used ever since. This set in motion a sequential unfolding of shambolic and hierarchical stimulations, consciously designed to prepare the way for the hierarchical externalization to be initiated during the 2025 conclave, less than three years away. So even though the 1925 conclave um, initiated that period of time that was directly involved in this externalization, the actual uh, process was begun um, 600 years ago. So as we know, the urge to synthesize emanates from Shambhala, permission to initiate the inflow of Shambhalic force was given to the Centennial Conference of 1425, 
which would gradually intensify over the centuries. Okay, there are no references to the Intermediate Conference of 1475, though, if you, you know, look at what was going on at that time, the beginning of the Renaissance, there was obviously a further stimulation of creative activity and activation of the Third Ray, as demonstrated by the incarnation of a group of extraordinary artists led by the Fourth Ray Master, Leonardo da Vinci. There's only one rather cryptic reference to the conclave of 1525. Um, by the way, all these images are just meant to give you a sense of the era. They're not necessarily, though sometimes they are, directly connected to hierarchical, hierarchical impulse. So anyway, 1525, during this conference, the gathered masters recognized the need to hasten the incarnation of a specific group of souls in order to deal with, quote unquote, certain difficulties. It's very cryptic, but it shows the power of the hierarchy to stimulate certain groups of incarnations. During 1575, um, it was decided probably as a result of the start of a new second race cycle to more frequently monitor the quality aspect of humanity. More specifically, to shorten from every thousand years to every 300 years, the interval when the masters employ what DK calls a gauging process. This happened because humanity was becoming increasingly sensitive to spiritual stimulation under the new second ray influence, resulting in the emergence of the inner observer, which allows one to reflect on the nature and quality of one's personality. DK says, the result of this more frequent watchfulness on the part of the hierarchy has been shown in the confidence with which the masters have undertaken to prepare people for initiation. So in short, the hierarchy moved much closer at this time, and it was very much coinciding with the uh, release of that second ray energy. So the second ray cycle began in 1575, began to manifest in 1625 as a widespread spiritual awakening, allowing the conclave of that year to begin stimulating educational institutions, which in turn broke the centuries old hold of church authority. This awakening was caused by an unprecedented release of radiation from the soul realm, which penetrated the aura of humanity. 1625 also marked the zenith of sixth ray influence. The waning phase that followed, like the waning phase of a lunar cycle, uh, brings out the regressive qualities of the sixth ray. DK says, suffice it to say, that the sixth ray people, and I think by this he means those ensconced in the negative aspects of the sixth ray personality, are the reactionaries, 
the conservatives, the diehards and the fanatics who hold on to all that is of the past and whose influence is potent to hinder the progress of humanity into the new age. Their name is Legion. They provide, however, a needed balance and are responsible for a steadying process, which is much needed in the world at this time. The only event mentioned for 1675 is that it marked the start of the seventh ray cycle, which stimulated all fifth ray nations. France, which has a fifth ray ego, was at its zenith through the stewardship of Louis XIV, the Sun King, a name in perfect sync with the esoteric motto for France, I release the light. The energy sent out during the conclave of 1725 ushered in what DK calls the beginning of modern civilization. 1775 marked the beginning of the Ray 5 cycle, bringing with it the science of the soul, also arising from the synthetic aspect of the fifth ray energy was the planting of a seed that will gradually compel modern civilization to weed out all that prevents a united humanity. The seed, we're told, is still growing and will not fully blossom for many centuries to come. Anytime you see the idea of a synthetic united humanity, the shambolic energy is um, uh, responsible for that impulse. So the fruit of the 1825 conclave was a great outpouring of Christ consciousness into the world. The spirit of love was sent out at the peak of the second race cycle. You notice how um, uh, causal these race cycles are in terms of the hierarchical uh, impulse. Um, and the, actually, the gradual decrease of this second ray was later partially responsible for the world wars. But perhaps the most momentous decision made at the 1825 conclave, and this was mentioned by Kathy, was to align Shambhala with humanity in such a way that these two centers could directly interact. This had and continues to have the effect of speeding up karma, personal, group, and planetary, and further polarizing humanity's capacity for both good and evil. 1875 initiated a number of hierarchical events. The seeds for the all-important 1925 conclave were planted group service on the astral plane was initiated, though successful group work in dispelling world glamour wouldn't happen until much later. The Theosophical Society came into being in 1875, and through it, HPB made known the existence of the Masters of Wisdom. But the introduction of Theosophy, followed shortly by the publication of Isis Unveiled, also had hierarchical ramifications. 
Until 1875, initiation was both an individual and a sequential process. D.K. himself took his fifth initiation that year. But through the energy released in 1875, the age-old disciple-master relationship began slowly to give way to group initiation. This is, of course, still in process of, de of developing. You may have noticed that the hierarchical meetings on the 75th year of each century were, for three consecutive centuries, marked by the beginning of a race cycle. The second ray in 1575, the seventh in 1675, and the fifth ray in 1775, the latter being the last of the rays to be activated until 2025, when the fourth ray will slowly begin to demonstrate. But 1875 was also marked a ray cycle event, the midpoint of the ray three cycle. So the waning of this ray has and will continue to crystallize outdated thought forms, helping prepare for elimination of that which has outlived its usefulness. In a, a strange sort of way, the, um, the waning uh, of a ray brings in the destructive aspect of the first ray crystallize uh, so that it can uh, be destroyed. Okay, we talked about the 1925 conclave last week, but since this conclave stands as such an important causal relation to 2025, let's do a quick recap. Three great potencies were released during the conclave of 1925. The first was a fresh inflow of the Christ principle of spiritual love, resulting in the immediate and rapid growth of all movements that promote peace, world understanding, goodwill, philanthropic effort, and brotherhood. Of course, that was immediately met by uh, a counter energy from the uh, dark brotherhood, which eventually led to the, uh, the wars, um, World War II specifically. The second was the stimulation of the principle of relationship, leading to an increased development of all methods of travel and communication. And, you know, I would add to that that all the great movements, starting with the hippie movement, the women's movement, the LGBTQ movement, um, and the, uh, you know, many others around the globe were also stimulated by this second um, outflow of the principle of relationship. The third potency was to outwardly direct the force from Shambhala, thus acting on a decision made during the 1825 conclave that enabled Shambhala to have a direct connection with humanity. So these three potencies were facilitated by a band of advanced souls called the New Group of World Servers, which came, also came into being in 1925 formally. As I mentioned last week, during 1975 and the year 2000, a direct impact of Shambhalic energy was loosed upon humanity. 
each time this energy is sent forth, we're told, some fuller aspect of the divine plan is realized. DK tells us that shambolic energy invariably results in synthesis and, quote, holds all things within the circle of the divine love. So even though there's a, a, a great emphasis on this first ray energy, it's always held by the second aspect of this first energy, which is love. It's implemented through love, will through love. That was the ray combination that the Christ brought forth um, and will again uh, institute. So this brings us to the main event, the main theme of the talk, the imminent 2025 conclave. DK's description of this great upcoming event makes it clear that the triple energy stream given out in um, 1925 was definitely in preparation for this coming event, hence the name, the stage of the forerunner. As I mentioned before, the years following the 2025 conclave will bring into activity the sixth of seven rays leaving only the first ray out of manifestation. I talked a little bit about that, the, the, the hidden pure point of deity at the center of the six manifestations, the sixth of manifestation. So last week we took a look at the three recognitions that humanity will have to internalize, it's a requirement, before the externalization of the hierarchy can go forward. Um, if it is deemed that humanity has internalized these recognitions, and we're gonna be getting back to them, that'll be the basis of our discussion um, at the end of this uh, presentation. Um, if they've, if humanity has internalized these recognitions, the externalization of the hierarchy will begin to unfold in three progressive stages. So let's take a closer look. First comes the present stage in which a few isolated disciples and initiates scattered all over the world are doing the important task of destruction, plus the enunciation of principles. They are preparing the way for the first organized body of disciples and initiates who coming from certain ashrams and those ashrams by the way were extended in 1925 when a series of sub ashrams were formed out of the main ashrams so coming from certain ashrams will proceed with the next phase of the work so question is has this happened has this gone forward it seems to me that it has at least to some degree the main purpose animating all this work all this preparatory work is to evoke these three recognitions in humanity stage two whose execution is dependent on the success of stage one will be the first true externalization sometime after 2025 the disciples and initiates who incarnate as a result of the energy released at that conclave 
will be the actual builders of the new Aquarian order. DK tells that they will that they will assume leadership in most countries and take high office in all departments of human life, and that they will do this based on merit and through the free choice of the people, not because of any spiritual ranking. This give us, gives us a sense as to why these three recognitions have to be in place, because there has to be a certain resonance, uh, an alignment uh, of the people that would be choosing these initiates as their leaders. This externalization through reincarnation will, you know, and my guess is some of these have already reincarnated and are already preparing for this role, but also some won't reincarnate until after 2025. So you can see that this, the realization of what the uh, conclave of 2025 will set in motion will take some time, I would think, um, and until the following century. Um, and it will allow the hierarchy to take control of human affairs on the physical plane. This is that part of the great invocation that says, restore the plan on earth. So since this will be done by the free will of the people and not by imposition, we can see why the three recognitions have to be in place. Otherwise, it seems to me any attempt at externalization will be met by resistance, hostility, hostility. So the second group will also implement these, you know, these incarnate, those who incarnate specifically for the purpose of carrying out the will of the 2025 conclave uh, will also implement the new world religion. And through this new form, prepare humanity for the return of the Christ. DK says, the master Jesus will take certain initial steps towards reassuming control of his church. The Buddha will send two trained disciples to reform Buddhism. Other steps will also be taken in this department of religions and of education over which the Christ rules and he will move to restore the ancient spiritual landmarks, interesting, to eliminate that which is not essential and to reorganize the entire religious field, again, in preparation for the restoration of the mysteries, which will unify all faiths. Uh, somewhere else, he also says that um, a masonry will, will uh, reflower uh, in in a, a new, more esoteric form, and will include both men and women in that. We already have co-masonry, uh, but there will be um, a master who will, or a high initiate who will incarnate specifically for the purpose of um, rebuilding this this tradition. Of course, this externalization will only be possible if the first group has successfully instilled the three recognitions in humanity. So given this threefold path of externalization, let's continue our discussion from last week. Um, DK tells us that 
these three recognitions must, quote, be evidenced by humanity and affect human thinking and action. We pretty much covered the first recognition last time, the world of meaning, um, a recognition of the world of meaning. The question we considered was, does humanity recognize a quote unquote world of meaning that stands in a causal relationship to the world of outer phenomena? Many of us felt, myself included, that a significant number of people do hold the world of meaning, at meaning as a guiding principle in their lives, and at least to some degree recognize the existence of causal planes by whatever name as being the source of our true being. So let's move on to the second recognition. I, you know, we gave that first some thought at least, um, which is a recognition of those who implement world affairs and who engineer those steps which lead humankind onward towards its destined goal. You'll notice that the words those and who are capitalized, uh, which tends to suggest that DK is not talking about people in temporal positions of power, but rather about those on the inner side who influence and lead us. So the question up for discussion is, does humanity recognize these great ones? Again, the word recognize doesn't mean seen and heard or established a connection with, but rather something like knows within oneself the existence and acquiesces to the guidance of the great ones. So let's, um, we'll get the Bob Orling with that. Any, any thoughts or comments on on this idea. Does humanity as a rule um, recognize the great ones? And also as part of this uh, question, we can consider at the time, same time, what can we do to further bring about recognition of those who from the inner planes implement world affairs and who help lead humankind towards its destined goal. Of course, these great, mostly disincarnate beings inhabit the quote unquote world of meaning. So the two are very closely tied. So any thoughts or comments about this? Anyone? Does the world at large in the main recognize the great ones? thoughts so because there are biographies and other descriptions of great masters who have incarnated like ramakrishna ramana maharshi neem karoli baba initiates like mother Teresa and dalai lama and the dalai lama and those masters recognized by theosophy like the masters kh and m there's more empirical evidence for this recognition than for the first. Um, in fact, introducing people to these great ones is a great way to 
unmask or to reveal the world of meaning. So any thoughts or questions about this? Well, Wind makes a point that I was going to state, so it's better to read her, her text. It's uh, what percentage of people would need to make this recognition. Trim tab theory would say a small minority could make that shift. Yeah, I, I think so as, as well. I mean, I remember somewhere reading, <laughs> some authority, huh? somewhere reading that um, when 11% of the people have gained a theoric vision, that it will be enough to shift the scientific perspective. I don't know where they came up with 11%, but it suggests what you're suggesting, which it doesn't take, uh, you know, like a 51% majority right. to uh, shift the, the center of gravity. Uh, because, you know, a lot of people follow the lead of, of a few people for the most part. Exactly. Yeah. So if, if it is true that it's a small percentage or a relatively small percentage, we definitely know that that is manifested. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. is, is it, is the influence of that small percentage? Cause that's, that's the other question. Um, you know, everyone in this meeting obviously has this belief system, right? So, um, the question is out on the street, is there, uh, enough of a sense of this um, interconnectedness. Um, well, you think of the of the popularity of the autobiography of a yogi, for example. Yeah, exactly. That could have been more, perhaps better titled, the autobiography of my master. You know, because Yogeshwar yeah. was obviously a master or close to it, and the popularity of that book is just incredible. And. So, yeah, and you you know it really brings up a good point, which is you know you can't expect or imagine that uh, humanity to um, have the viewpoints of you know DK Theosophy or any right. other specific group. You know, it's so devout Muslims and uh, and devout Hindus and Buddhists and Christians, and and you know when you think of it that way, you think there there certainly is you know, a yeah. significant minority of people um, yeah. that would carry this. There's a, a hand raised from Jessica. Jessica, could you unmute your microphone, please? Okay, there you go. Hi. Hi. Hi there. Um, yeah, I. this is something I've been contemplating as of late, more so. Um, I guess we're collectively uh, all feeling it and wondering. And... I've noticed as of late, um, I don't really know the time reference, perhaps hmm, maybe past six months, maybe longer, that there, there is a growing awareness in the consensus consciousness of people that I meet in ordinary life. Um, I do see the, the soul is peeking through more and there's there's this interesting phenomenon that I'm noticing more so now than say six months ago, which is the telepathy of the soul. Um, when I communicate with say ordinary, quote unquote, <laughs> ordinary people, right, um, right. of course, nobody's ordinary, but everybody is at the same time. And I am noticing that there's much more light being brought forth and much more wisdom 
it's also something that I intentionally plant seeds in my conversations with people, mm -hmm. even if it's just a, you know, quote unquote, yeah. ordinary yeah. conversation. Um, and to answer your question in terms of how we can implement more of a greater change, I would say that to reside more in the heart and, and operate more from the soul, it's certainly been um, helpful for my path um, to yeah. operate that way as much as I can. And um, that really has the ability to eradicate a lot of obstacles and differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, as you say, that outer work of actually planting the seed in conversation, you know, it takes, it, you have to be a little bit brave sometimes because it, it, uh, it may seem almost jarring to people. Um, and, you know, there's a fine line between any kind of proselytizing attitude, you know, um, which doesn't work, um, and just lifting the conversation into um, a, a place where there can be that kind of reception, you know. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Um, well, you know, as as always happens in these, we're running out of time, but I don't know if we can go a few more minutes. Yeah, sure, of course. All right, I'm going to go ahead uh, just because, you know, we could talk about this much more, but the third point is, um, is there a steadily increased recognition of the plan? And here's the kicker, on the part of the masses, the word masses suggests a pretty widespread recognition. So, it, you know, it seems unlikely DK has in mind any kind of theosophical understanding of the plan, but rather some awareness that humanity moves forward, not just as a result of random outer circumstances, you know, that totally materialistic viewpoint, but rather through some form of intelligent interdirection. So any thoughts about this? Do the people you know and know of outside our theosophical circle recognize some form of the plan, even if it's, if it's not articulated in their consciousness? Any, any comments on that? If you do, um, you know, think about it and raise your hand. And we can also think at the same time about, oh, I see there's a hand up. How can this awareness be further fostered? So I saw Michael. Yeah. Hi, can you guys hear me? Yes. Um, so I'm not necessarily um, sure if this applies, but I've been in a psychedelic kind of community, people that take ayahuasca and uh, take psilocybin. These are new molecules that, you know, they've been around for a while, but people are starting to integrate them into treatment and expanding consciousness. And I wonder if perhaps that's planting a seed in people's minds that there's uh, more to, um, there is perhaps a plan in place and that the soul, it doesn't just end, you know, with this lifetime. So I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Well, it's, it would only be from what I've read about ayahuasca, having never had that experience. But um, I read one article that was incredibly profound in terms of with guidance, because this is a church and the, and the ayahuasca becomes a sacrament of that church. So, you know, the attitude of recreation versus um, sacrament, I think, is incredibly important in this. Um, so... You know, I think, you know, uh, what was it? Um, 
Ramdas said that, you know, his guru said to him, Neem Karoli Bobby said to him, yes, you're taken to the threshold, but then you're, you're brought right back to where you were. That can be useful, though. That can open the door to further exploration, like it did for many of us who came up through the hippie period. But, you know, as you know, for most of us, it lies in our past. For It sounds like for you, this is still, um, a, you know, a viable working method. Um, I would just say, always make it uh, a sacrament. And um, yeah, that's all I'll say about okay. that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, John, hello, John. Well, thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Francis. Mm -hmm. uh, let me refocus here. Sorry, that conversation taking right. me in a different direction. Um, not that that happens in these <laughs> ayahuasca times, but I think it's important for us to help those around us read mm -hmm. the rest of humanity. There is a growing sense of the increasing chaos due to the destructive aspects uh, being used by the seventh ray as it comes into further manifestation. People are well aware of that. Yeah. What I think we're missing society-wide is that there is the hope of a brighter tomorrow, that there is a purpose to all of this. Yeah. It's almost, if I were to use a metaphor like children when the thunderstorm comes in. Yes. You know, yes, there is energy being released here. It can be observed and utilized properly. And on the other side of this, we do have a new dawn coming. And with that, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, that's, you know, that's uh, the great balm of this teaching, isn't it? That um, these destructive cycles um, lead to rebuilding in a uh, in a better form. In this case, it's very specific. The Piscean uh, uh, destruction of the last vestiges of uh, Piscean consciousness, which was totally appropriate uh, 2,000 years ago and through this age, but now uh, hold back the energy that needs to come forth. And so th I think that's a lot of what this period of destruction um, is about. Okay, um, let's address the elephant in our virtual Zoom room, right? Um, after listing the three recognitions that must take place, DK says, I'm going forward here. These three recognitions must be evidenced by humanity and affect human thinking and action if the total destruction of mankind is to be averted. That's a pretty strong statement. Uh, so as I see it, there's a couple of ways that we can interpret this warning. Like Atlantis, the Aryan race will be considered a failed root race. And through some hierarchically initiated cataclysm, if we believe the prophecies, it would be through fire, physical plane existence would be destroyed. But even if this happens, uh, if the Atlantis model is followed, we might presume that there would be a small group that would survive in order to establish the next root race. Um, so that's one scenario, right? Um, and I'm, you know, I'm puzzled by the absoluteness of this. Um, but because we're, we don't have time, I, we don't have really time to explore this part. Um, I want to get to this other idea, uh, which is, um, 
Another way we can interpret this warning of total destruction is to link humanity's struggle to control global warming, overpopulation, and war to the three recognitions. Said another way, through the wisdom gained from these three recognitions, humanity would have the wisdom to implement the course correction necessary to avoid total destruction, thus determining its own outcome. It's a very different point of view. It's not, it's not done to us, right? It's, um, it's ours to implement. And if this, and if it doesn't embrace these recognitions, its material orientation will precipitate the conditions that lead to its destruction. I, you know, as was witnessed by, you know, a decision made by a, a West Virginia senator recently, you know, um, playing into this. Um, there's a hand raised, um, yeah. Joshua. So it, Joshua's had his hand up for a little while, so I think maybe we should jump in. Yes, there. yes, Joshua. Well, just quick question. What was the thing about West Virginia? Oh, uh, well, Senator Manchin just um, voted against um, implementing the um, uh, climate change uh, bill that uh, um, the president put forth. And so I was just using an example, you know, I don't, it's not about politics. It's about these, um, it's about these points of uh, recognizing um, and choosing uh, this, the health of the earth, therefore the spiritual path over materialism. Yeah. Is that, was that your question? Joshua? No, no, no. I just, I wanted just to clarify what you're saying. Uh, but in in the uh, chat on Facebook, uh, Linda Rosa Herrera had a series of questions. I don't know if you want to take them all now or have them sent to you later. Well, I don't, I think we're running out of time. I would love to have them sent to me, though. I'd, I'd love to review them at that time. It's, we're, I think, 10 minutes over now, aren't we? Yeah, so, yeah, if you could send it, that would be Yeah, that would be great. Okay, I'll I'll do my, my wrap-up paragraph here. Um, which is, um, you know, we're, we are a part of the group that is paving the way for the externalization of the hierarchy. Um, as DK indicates, teaching the ancient wisdom is one of the most direct ways to fulfill the goals set for the stage of the forerunner, but it is also necessary to develop the three recognitions through the arts and psychology, science, math, all of it, you know, in any form, even politics, especially politics, you could say, we might ask ourselves, how can I, through my expression and or profession, help to foster the three recognitions? And of course, says DK specifically emphasized the triangle's work is a particularly potent tool for preparing the way for this externalization. So thank you all very much. I enjoyed uh, presenting. Thank you, Francis, and thank you, everyone. So just to close with a brief moment of silence to visualize the network, and then we sound on. Oh. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you, Francis, and thank you, everyone. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you.